Philip Michael Scales, formerly Briar Rabbit, is a songwriter who happens to be the nephew of B.B. King. His sound fits somewhere between folk and soul, demonstrating his knack for thoughtful, catchy melodies. His new album is called Sinner Songwriter, and it sees him take his sound into the direction of what he calls dive bar soul. I got a chance to speak with the talented musician about his new album and the themes of morality, relationships, and love that exist on it. This is my conversation with the Sitter songwriter himself. Hey everyone, you are listening to Vocalo. I'm Jesse Menendez. My in-studio guest is sinner songwriter Briar Rab. I mean, Philip. Oh, Philip Michael, Michael Scales. Scales. Yeah, man. I'm joking. That just harkens back to one of our older conversations. The last time you were here, you were still going by Briar Rabbit and the company you keep. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, but now now it's like my name. I feel like I kind of figured out more of my sound over the years and made some acoustic stuff and uh, was like, you know, like deep heartfelt things should come from a person. Mm. Um, and Briar Rabbit was kind of like this post-college band slash project, whatever. So now I'm like, now it's me. Now it's Phil Marks. I always feel like... I felt anyway that Briar Rabbit also signified something cultural. Like yeah. it felt like you were also allowing the audience to know the types of themes you might navigate. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I don't think those themes have gone away. There's definitely some tracks on this new EP that I'm releasing um, that definitely hearken to it because I think, you know, I'm, turns out I'm still black. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless of the name change, yeah, I'm still black. Yeah. There's something I heard automatically that was a marked difference from some of your older more folk tinge stuff was that it sounded like it was more rooted in this like bluesy back of the lounge yeah like, dive bar soul yeah. is where uh where we landed would that have been a natural progression or did you see a name change shift you into this direction as well i don't think it was the name change i think what happened for me was my uncle b died in two which which i'm disappointed that i learned this from other publications for the first time because it had it was nothing you and I had ever spoken about when you say yeah, my uncle B. Yeah, I forgot about that. Um, I was weird about it. So my uncle's BB King, and I had a friend or a, who was a publicist who was like, you know you have to say that, right? And I was like, ah, that uh, seems weird. And then I did, and, and I think now it's kind of like a homage or an honor, um, the idea of keeping that family uh, mantle up you know, in terms of being a musician and yeah. being coming into my own. And there's so many more conversations now I wish I could have. But I, I guess there's also an admirable part about it. And I, I imagine that had something to do with not wanting to talk about it. And that is that you didn't want it to be the defining point of conversation with you. Yeah. Or something that you were trying to get shine off of without even proving your chops as a musician. Right. Before I was kind of more folky. So I think it was like kind of like an entry point for some people. And then they were like, oh, this is interesting. But I would say that as a result, my progression kind of was like that like prodigal son thing where it's like you grow up with blues and soul and like Motown because I'm from Detroit, you know. So like my whole family grew up on Motown. Like my whole family would be like, oh, yeah, remember when we saw like Stevie Wonder and Gladys Knight and all these people for like five bucks? It was like their Lollapalooza. But like I was like, this is ridiculous. Um, so I grew up with all that stuff. So I think in some way it felt like 
maybe too easy or maybe too familiar or whatever. And then I got to college and I was like talking more. I was like, ah, oh, indie rock and folk and all this other stuff. And I really got attracted to those lyrics. And then like just somewhere, maybe it was like the coming of age, or maybe it was like the turning 30, maybe it was like all that stuff. Plus the death of my uncle kind of just like felt like now when I came back to it, I was like, this is where I need to be. Yeah. And I was in LA too. So I moved back to Chicago and back to like blues and soul and that sort of stuff. And like, I feel like I kind of did it my own way because I still have that lyrical content from indie stuff. But I like, there's definitely that like bluesy element. Something else that has changed since the last time I spoke with you, which is a pretty exciting revelation, is that is you are now a full time professional musician. Yeah, man. Scary. Uh, you know, at first it was scary. Definitely was scary. And now, now it's just fun. I mean, now like, you know, gratefully I'm like turning stuff down and, and things like that. I think also, you know, the death of, of my uncle, you know, sometimes when you, when someone dies, who's near to you, sometimes their lessons are louder afterwards. And I think the idea of that blues man mentality of like a gig is a gig and work is work and keep working. Um, you know, I picked up a lot of cover gigs and I picked up a lot of stuff and, and they've taken me all over, you know, all over the country and stuff like that. I still do my own stuff. It's financed my own stuff. So kind of buckling down and becoming a full-time musician has been awesome. Let's talk about that new record. Thanks, man. So, Sinner Songwriter. And I love yeah. what I saw as some of like the uh, the project shoot. Like, it's you at the bar. Yeah. Very dark. The yeah. The neon sign in the background. Yeah, it's a little gritty. Very gritty. And yeah. Sinner Songwriter, I wonder what you think this says about maybe the life of a musician, about you personally, or just this collection of songs that had you call it Sinner songwriter. You know, as a singer songwriter, so oftentimes they're like, dude, with an acoustic guitar, which is largely what I've been for the past couple of years, you know, every time you sing you, every time you sing me, it's always sort of this like, people expect a certain level of honesty and maybe politeness and sort of that from you. And I think that what I was digging on with hip hop, with rap, with, you know, rock and roll was that there's like this bravado that you're sort of allowed to have. You know, you're allowed to not be, you know, like if Bruno Mars says like, don't look too hard, might hurt yourself. Like that's, that's cool. You know what I mean? But like as a singer songwriter, like if you, if you said that, then people are like, oh man. Come on, dude. Yeah. Come on, man. You sound there's, like a there's, jerk. There's like some fragility that's expected with the singer songwriter yeah. that goes along with some of that vulnerability that is the trademark. Absolutely. So I think that like singer songwriters kind of like, okay, how do we get into these like heartbroken, like love songs in the first place, right? Like, it's not just like, I was on Match.com and this didn't work out. It's like, nah, you, you were out at the bar and you met somebody and like, it like, you know, it got spicy and then, you know, it, went, it was hot and cold and passionate and whatever, you know? 
That's amazing. Let's talk about Love or Let It Be. Yeah, thanks, man. Love or Let Me Be. Pardon me. No, no problem. So in this song, you talk about not being able to feel bad for a man who puts hands on you. Yeah. Tell me about this line and what does it mean for the song? that this song is kind of wrestling like the character is kind of talking about how being like this moral ambiguity between being the other man and somebody's like crappy relationship you know it's not necessarily their call to make and so that's why the line is like am i right or just a saint justifying sinning so it's like this whole like oh well you know he's a crappy guy but am I a crappy – like, who's crappier, you know? Like, somebody who's, like, trying to be nice to somebody who's in a relationship who's, like, you know, an abusive dude? Or are you just as bad? Like, where where does this morality fall? So it kind of ends up with this whole pushing and pulling of, like – you know, and, the, and it feels that way, too, with the three fours. Like, that, like, do you, don't you? Like, you just feel like you're never settled in this. reference the 3-4 and how it really drove home just that feel of the song and the yeah. pushing and pulling. Yeah. Did you have it in mind to let the, the accompaniment really play the background to these songs as like the vehicle for how the melody would be, the tone, the aggressive nature of it? Yeah, I wanted to make, my, my goal with this record was to make something that looked the way it felt, the way it sounded, you know? I mean, I guess you'd call that branding, but like I wanted you to look at the picture and then feel like hear the song and be like get it you know so many people don't listen to lyrics and i prided myself on lyrics for so long but once you put that like grit on your voice in the studio and once you pick those guitar tones there's something you know electric and passionate about an electric guitar you know there's something kind of gritty about like you know like processing a vocal and not having it be perfect and i think it definitely reflects in the production, and I'm probably a little bit in the arrangement as well. Let's talk about Shame. Oh, yeah. I really like this song just because of all of the things that you're giving your audience the reason not to feel bad about. In fact, it's almost like some of these things might be cautionary. Yeah. But one of the lines that jumped out at me maybe has to do with just the climate we exist in today, but you're talking about pray that this cop didn't have a bad day. Yeah, yeah. I, and, you know, I got a little nervous about writing that song. Um, I think that, like, we carry around shame in such different ways, right? Everything from, you know, ain't no shame if you break down and cry because your passion won't pay for your life, you know? And I've been there before trying to be a full-time musician a bunch of times. It's not my first. It wasn't, like, on the first go. I was like, yeah. and I'm full-time. It was like, <laughs> oh, nope, now you got to go get another job because, like, it, you know, this didn't, this didn't pay off. So I think, you know, the shame we kind of put on ourselves with about all that stuff is, is huge. And I think being a black man in America, particularly at a time right now, you can be scared, And I remember the next line that followed that was, if she crosses the street as soon as she sees you, no shame feeling some type of way. And that's kind of like the internalization of 
they have a right to feel safe if they're feeling unsafe and they want to cross the street because they see, you know, me coming by and they don't know me from a ham sandwich and like they don't know if I'm, you know, a good person or a bad person or what I could do or whatever. That's totally on them. But I can also there's no shame in me feeling like, you know, some type of way about it. And no shame if your hands start to shake praying this cop ain't had a bad day. Crosses the street as soon as she sees you. No shame feeling some type of way. And no shame in walking away. So, all these instances of forgiving shame or allowing your audience to forgive themselves for see- feeling the shame, where did that just notion come from? And then obviously, you threw that out into the atmosphere and. and associated with different life circumstances yeah it was just a chorus man i was out in la and like things weren't going great you know like things were fine but it was just like my experience in la was so much about other people being like oh i got this like i'm about to get signed i'm talking to these people i'm blah 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 and whether or not like they actually end up doing it they can make you feel around a bunch of pretty people and being kind of isolated and and it takes a long time to get anywhere and like meeting a bunch of people who like keep evaporating like i just felt like I needed to get this off and I just started singing one day and then like the chorus just came and it was just like shame, shame, shame. And that was kind of it. And then I was like, all right, cool. I feel like I got something here. How do I break this out? And like, what else do I want to talk about? Did you know where some of these songs were going before you even set out to record them? Or did you allow some guitar line or bass line or drum pattern inform just what you wanted to talk about? I wrote Lover, Let Me Be First. And I was like, Ooh, this vibe is kind of cool, mm. you know? And I was like, this is this is kind of a cool place. And so like then I was just like, all right, once you have a palette of what things should sound like, it's so much easier to write. Once you're like, this whole record takes place in a dive bar, then you're like, cool, I'm not going to add horns. I'm not going to add like electronics. I'm not going to add this. Like it's going to be electric guitar. It's going to be this. Like is it going to be real strings or is it going to be like synthy strings that sound a little like weird and gritty like they could have been off like a you know, a Casio from the 80s. So you're saying that this is going to be part of a larger collection? This is hopefully part of a larger collection. I just wanted to take all my resources and instead of putting them on 12 songs, I wanted to put them on like five and just polish those up, make them the best that they could, kind of make it a representation and then get it out and see like how people respond. Still the same vibe going on? Yeah. The dive bar soul? Yeah, yeah. Dive bar soul is definitely going to be it. So the full record's going to be out in early June. Did this album send you where you wanted to go? Did it it send you there? We're going to see if it sends me there, man. I I think it will. I think I had a lot of fun, man. God, I had so much fun. There you go. Philip Michael Scales. Thanks, man. An absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you. (laughs) 